Newsmax Daily from Newsmax, America's fastest-growing cable news channel. Now, now, here's your host, Rob Carson. Yes, it's uh, Monday, a big old TGIM, and I mean that with all of my heart, because this weekend... I wanted to hear the uh, jingle there. Anyway, I <laughs> uh, did another uh, home improvement project this weekend. This time it was a basement sink. And uh, and I just wanted to mention, I, I live in the Midwest uh, in the Kansas City area, and they issued a uh, warning to low-flying aircraft. There was a, uh, a large cloud of profanity hanging above the city from when I was putting in the sink this weekend. I put in a sink this weekend in, a, in the cabinet, and every time I, I, I turned the water on, there was another leak. Ah. And I was counting this morning in our little house, which indeed is a fixer-upper, we have done 21 or 24 uh, home improvement projects in the last year. So um, this is what you happen when you buy an existing home and you want to, you know, at the time we bought it for listing, we didn't have to pay over because it was such a fixer-upper. And it is a money pit to some degree, but, uh, you know, I get a a good deal of satisfaction from uh, home improvement projects. Anyway, welcome to the show. Glad to have you guys here. Make sure to download the Newsmax app on your cellular telephonic device. And, of course, uh, check out Newsmax.com, Newsmax.com, NewsmaxTV.com, I should say, for all of the great shows on Newsmax. And check this out. During President Biden's first 100 days in office, weekly full-day cable ratings for CNN and MSNBC have been going down dramatically. 1.3 million household viewers were watching MSNBC. I can't even believe that. Who in the heck is watching that god-awful network? It's, I mean, I'm going to share something with you very soon. Such a racist attack on Tim Scott from an MSNBC staffer um, who I never heard of her show before and I will never watch her show. But it is so inflammatory and so disgusting and so racist. You, I don't know, if you watch this network, you are mentally ill. Or you're having to do show prep for a Newsmax show. <laughs> For the week ending April 25th, that number was 868,000. CNN, those figures went from 1.2 million to 749,000. Even uh, uh, F word, Fox News saw a pretty big decline. Newsmax is kicking butt, though. Yeah, Newsmax is actually really kicking butt. And, and since the election, uh, Newsmax ratings went through the ceiling. My ratings on my show, Rob Carson's What in the World, went through the ceiling. So uh, it's been very good for us. You know why? Because we are holding true to our values. All of our hosts hold true to their values. They don't change. Yes, you're going to get some opinion journalism. If you, I don't, I'm not a journalist. But at least you know what you're going to get. You know what you're going to get. All right? Network news not doing very well. World News Tonight on ABC, 1.8 million fewer views in the seven days ending April 25th compared to the uh, last week of January. Nightly News, number two, lost 1.7 million viewers in the same period. CBS, 1.2 million. Who watches the broadcast news anymore? I've got an antenna for the local stations that carry the broadcast news, evening news. I don't, I'd never watch it. I mean, it used to be a staple. Remember what it used to be a staple? And you actually believed people like Walter Cronkite because you didn't know any better and there was nothing else out there. <laughs> so... Anyway, that's uh, that's uh, what's what's happening as far as uh, news viewership. Oh, and web traffic is down pretty dramatically on a lot of uh, left-leaning political sites. Oh, and by the way, only 36% of voters say Joe Biden's first 100 days in office was a success. He has spent more money than it took us to win World War II in 100 days. He is bankrupting our country. 
his chief economic advisor even said, we are going to experience inflation. Do you know why? Because our currency is going to tank. And if you notice the price of stuff going up, the price of gas where I am up 50% since last year, since, since uh, January. From uh, $1.99-ish to $2.79, a little bit less than 50%. Unbelievable. Survey of 1,000 U.S. likely voters conducted April 27th through the 28th by Rasmussen. Rasmussen. So there you go. Only 36% say it's been a success. 44% say his first 100 days have been a failure. 18 somewhere in between. So that is not good. That is not good at all. Now, of course, uh, the president was out talking about um, Amtrak because he's going to sink a bunch of money in a losing venture. Amtrak is a boondoggle. Amtrak needs to be sold. It needs to be sold to a private company that can run it. Because it has always been a boondoggle. It has always been a joke. And the only reason why it gets so much money is because there's this corridor that goes up the East Coast that politicians take the train to go home to see their constituents. And so they get tons and tons of money and they blow it and they do a terrible job generally. So Joe Biden, when he's talking about $80 billion in federal spending for the passenger train system. If you were owner of a railroad company, you would never need $80 million to make improvements on your company because you'd never have let it slip this much. But here he is with a kind of a bizarre story about uh, somebody apparently who knew Joe when he was riding the train, talking about all the, all the miles he put on that train. And uh, I was getting on the train, and Angelo Negri came up to me and goes, Joey, baby! And he grabbed my cheek, started to squeeze it like he always did. And I thought... That's the first time that Joe Biden uh, had his cheek uh, uh, pinched, unlike what he likes to do with, you know, women and interns. He's going to get shot. <laughs> I'm serious. And I said, no, no, he's a friend. He said, Joey, what's the big deal? A million, 200,000, 300,000 miles on Air Force Two. You know how many miles you travel on Amtrak? I said, no, Ange, I don't know. And he gave me the calculation. And he said, you travel 1,515,000 miles on Amtrak. Okay, well, that's, that's great. Uh, thanks, Joey. Babushka, whatever your name is. That's, that's, that's truly, that's, that's, that's awesome. So they're going to see, you know, take more money, more public money. The thing that I really despise about Democrats is that they act like it's not your money. And, and they act like you're granting you a favor by spending all of this money on all of this junk. There was a lot of uh, media praise. I mean, sycophantic media praise with regard to Joe Biden's big plan. And, and they even went so far, even went so far as to call it Rooseveltian. And this is what I said. And, and listen, the reason why I said it's Rooseveltian is because why are we going back? And this is the Democrats' mainstay. They go back to the 1930s. They go back to the 1930s with regard to policy. And they look at Roosevelt as a success because he supposedly got us out of the Great Depression. He actually prolonged the Great Depression. What really got us out of it, what really got us out of it is World War II. That really got us out of it, out of the funk, as it were. But uh, that's what it was. You know, um, uh, they're, they're going back to Roosevelt and politics. And he's making, by the way, he's making Roosevelt look like a piker. Absolutely looking like a piper. Here, here, here is the media talking about Joe Biden's big economic plan, blowing all of your money, bankrupting the country, causing inflation and killing the currency. His use of voice modulation was rather extraordinary given the television era, and it served as cover at times for unspooling an ambition in this speech that was Rooseveltian in size and scope. Rooseveltian in size and scope. It's really beautiful. 
I mean, it was beautiful. You know what you say? He, he was very Garfieldian in his uh, in his approach to the economy. Um, he's developing. He was Lincoln-esque. A kind of positive <laughs> populism. He also talked about the soul of America, and that was so passionate when he talked about. Oh dear God, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I wish I had a cup of coffee here. I wouldn't need any sugar. Because of all the sweetness being spewed on the networks with regard to Joe Biden's ungodly, god-awful first 100 days and uh, $6 trillion in spending. And, and by the way, none of the promises are ever fulfilled. The schools are never fixed. The infrastructure is never, is never perfect. But, but we'll get it. We're going to get it this time. We're going to do it this time. We're going to do it. We have a great plan. They never. Why does it still need to be fixed? Barack Obama had $787 billion to fix the infrastructure in his presidency, and nothing got fixed. It's because Democrats need things to be perpetually failing. Okay, the war on poverty. Massive trillions of dollars to end poverty in America with the government. Guess what? Poverty levels are exactly the same as they were in 1964. (laughs) Unbelievable, unbelievable. I think and I hope that it is finally catching on. There are some positive signs. People are rejecting wokeism. Joe Biden, uh, 36% of uh, of voters approve of his first 100 days and say it was a success. So it is getting through. People are getting it. People are getting it. Here's Hillary Clinton on Joe Biden's stellar first 100 days in office. Overall, first 100 days, uh, how's he faring? I'd give him an A, and I'm a hard grader. <laughs> okay, um, I'll just leave that alone. Give him an A, both on effort, um, because he's done a couple of things so well, Fareed. He has once again embodied and modeled what a president should act like um, in the Oval Office, in the White House. Wait a minute. <laughs> So what about your husband? (laughs) What about what he did in the Oval Office? Wow. In the world at large, (laughs) uh, with dignity, with purposefulness. uh, By the way, ISIS attacks are up in uh, Afghanistan, by the way. Care for what he says. Beheadings are coming back, too, by the way. And and how he treats people. Russian troops are are on the Ukrainian border with thousands of troops and uh, and militarized armored vehicles. Um, And... His attention to detail and the team that he has surrounded himself with, who are experienced uh, at how you make the federal government work, has produced. <laughs> the federal government never works, and it's not working now. <laughs> it's just honestly, wow, 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 wow. Now, this is a, uh, an interesting report. I brought this up because uh, the last week, I didn't spend a lot of time on it, but last week, President of the United States of America walked toward the helicopter on the South Lawn and bent over and picked a dying dandelion so that the dandelion, the flowers were gone and just the the weed seeds were there. It was that, you know, round weed uh, portion of the dandelion. And he picked it and he gave it to his wife. Very childlike. It was very childlike and very, you have to question his cognitive ability and that the media is not talking about it here is just remarkable. And guys, this is not funny anymore. I I would say that it's elder abuse, but he is such an abusive, awful person throughout his career that I don't feel sorry for him. Normally I would. But here is, uh, this is um, Alan Jones of uh, Sky News in Australia. This is Australia talking about Joe Biden. Now just listen to this, guys. And you mean to say this bloke Biden isn't cognitively delinquent? 
Have a listen to this. The President of the United States of America. We have to do more than just build back better. We build back, we have to build back better. With regard to Russia, I know it concerns some of you, but I made very clear to Putin that we're not going to seek excuse me, escalation. Putting Biden in this position of leading the world's democracies is elder abuse. His incoherence is not new, but it surely can't go on. There will have to be a presidential resignation shortly. Listen to this from only a couple of weeks ago. The only way to spare more pain and more loss, the only way these millstones no longer mark our national mourning, these milestones, I should say, no, no longer mo mark our national mourning. God, help me. And that is a journalist in Australia stating the obvious. Guys, the emperor's naked. The emperor's naked. He's on a parade float. There's a marching man in front, and there are spotlights coming from either side. Unbelievable. I don't know, guys, if he will make it as the president of the United States through the end of the year. I'm not an expert. I'll, I'll find an expert. But does that sound like someone who should be the leader of the free world? Does it? Answer me honestly. I don't care if you're left, right, center, what? Do you think that? That man should be running the country? Unbelievable. Tim Scott fought back a little bit this weekend. He was ripped to shreds for saying that America is not a racist country. And it's not. And it's not. There is no institutional racism in the United States. There is not. It does not exist. If it did exist, then how did Barack Obama become the president? How did Oprah Winfrey become the most popular TV personality of all time, one of them, and be worth a billion dollars? If it's institutionally racism, then every black person should be held down and never be able to succeed. That's institutional racism. That would be like a caste system in India. That would be like South Africa during apartheid. It doesn't exist here. This is why Tim Scott is a senator. Okay? This is why he's a senator. Here he is fighting back against all the racism being called an Uncle Tim for 12 hours on Twitter before they finally took it down. The left has lost their mind today. It's really saddening to see that what the left is doing is fighting bigotry with bigotry, and they've exposed their hypocrisy and their true motivation. It has nothing to do with ending prejudice. It has everything to do with claiming uh, or getting more power. I've never seen such a power grab and using people in such a despicable way. It, it, it is really disheartening to see the left's response. And frankly, even Twitter's response to racism and racial slurs, if it comes from the left, it must be okay, according to Twitter's response 12 hours later. I wish the Democrats, who always feign or virtue signal, would take a look in the mirror and ask themselves... Would they put up with that from anyone other than themselves? No, they wouldn't, honestly. And, and listen to this. A Texas Democratic official, I don't know if there's a white or black person. Sounds kind of white. Hello, Gary O'Connor. Uh, Democrat Party chair called Senator Tim Scott an Oreo in a Facebook post. Now, if you didn't know what that means, it means that uh, he's black on the outside and white on the inside. Okay? Wow. Here's what he wrote. I had hoped that Scott might show some common sense, but it seems clear he is little more than an Oreo with no real principles. 
Wow, wow, wow. Texas Republican Pat Fallon, whose congressional district includes Lamar County, rebuked O'Connor for his racist behavior, called on him to immediately resign from his leadership position, and he should. And he should. He also said, additionally, I call on the Democrat Party of Texas and the NAACP to condemn these words, and the state party should take swift action to censure him. This kind of behavior is not tolerable in Texas, the United States, or any political party. And he's right. But they're left, so they're held to a different standard. I'm going to play a couple sound bites from an MSNBC show called Cross Connection. It is hosted by Tiffany Cross, and she is a, a black woman. She's uh, well-dressed and presumably makes a very nice salary working at MSNBC, despite all the institutional racism she has to go through. Here she is talking about Tim Scott's speech and Mitch McConnell decrying the 1619 Project, which is a scam. It's being rejected across the country in school districts because it teaches black kids that they can't achieve anything in this country and that all white kids are evil. And apparently no sense either. This week, the sole black Republican in the Senate sounded a stone fool when he said this. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. Okay, let's be clear. Tim Scott does not represent any constituency other than the small number of sleepy, slow-witted sufferers of Stockholm Syndrome who get elevated to prominence for repeating a false narrative about this country that makes conservative white people feel comfortable. She thinks her her writing is smart, but it's really not. Lucky for McConnell, he has his own tap dancer to try and reorient the view of America. She called Tim Scott a tap dancer. She called Tim Scott Senator a tap dancer. Oh, it gets worse. There were so many contradictions in the senator's speech that it was clear not even Scott believed the words he was speaking. Oh, yes, he did. He absolutely believes them. I could go into great detail refuting each of his asinine points, but he did that for me. And moreover, a lesson I've learned, don't argue with people Harriet Tubman would have left behind. Okay, that's abject, just honestly stupid. Sure. To try to appropriate a historical figure to your political view, even though you have no idea. Tim Scott has spoken out about his encounters with law enforcement, and he co-sponsored the anti-lynching bill in the Senate. But there are two sides to every token. So She called him a token. There you go. A tap dancing token. Oh, it gets better. Thirsty for white approval. This dude actually stood on the national stage to defend the voter suppression law in Georgia, even though she writes like a child. I know this because I've been writing for a very long time nationally. And and she writes like a child, like like somebody who's maybe a freshman in college. Last month, 361 bills were being introduced in 47 states to keep people who look like him out of the ballot box. The ability to shame the ancestors and appease the oppressors all in one speech, that's extreme. The ancestors and the oppressors. There's so many oppressors out there. Have you been to Appalachia? Have you been to West Virginia? Have you been to Southern Missouri and Arkansas? Have you seen the white poverty? Have you been to a coal mine? <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly, have you been? I grew up on a farm in Iowa. Have you been to a farm in Iowa? The, the people, these and I'm saying white, black, all sorts of colors of farmers. Some months, they don't know if they're going to be able to make pay the bills. They don't know if, like in Iowa last summer, uh, half the corn was blown over and destroyed. And they feed her sorry behind. I'm just so done with this. Are you ready for it to get a lot worse? Okay. Uh, are you ready to get a lot worse? Listen to this comparison of Tim Scott 
because this is as bad as it gets. Though not quite like the domestic violent extremism that the Department of Homeland Security is investigating within its own ranks, mind you. Yeah, that's a witch hunt. It's a political witch hunt. They say it's white supremacy. It's not white supremacy. It's an excuse to go after Trump supporters and political uh, people who uh, differ with you politically. That's what it's all about. And you're drinking the Kool-Aid. Please, Senator, say more about how unracist the country is while you trot out that tired line about going from cotton to Congress to clown. Perhaps this was merely Senator Scott's audition to be Sam Jackson's understudy in the film Django. That's the line. Django's my favorite movie. It just replaced Goodfellas. Django is my favorite movie of all time. Absolutely brilliant, beautiful movie. Samuel Jackson, he plays a traitorous black man who lives uh, in the plantation house and uh, oversees the slaves and rats them out. And rats them out. And he is on the side of the plantation owner, played by Leo DiCaprio, who's a very evil human being. And Samuel L. Jackson is a sellout. That's what this woman compared Senator Tim Scott to. It's a clown. Perhaps this was merely Senator Scott's audition to be Sam Jackson's understudy in the film Django. Because as a descendant of the enslaved and damn near a daily survivor of institutional racism. Oh, sure. You're a daily survivor of institutional racism in your in your $3,000 dress and your MSNBC job that probably pays mid six figures. I can assure you, the question, is America a racist country, is one that has been asked and answered. You know, does she have trouble putting her clothes on with that giant chip on her shoulder? Can you believe this is allowed to be broadcast? Listen, I, I, okay, fine. If MSNBC wants to, to put that out, that drivel, it's worse than dribble. It's awful. There's no greater expression of awful than what she just said about a senator in the United States who's proud of his upbringing and his family coming from meager means and achieving some of the greatest things you could possibly. He may be a presidential candidate. He may be president eventually. Our only black president went to the Punahou School in Hawaii. He had a mixed race background, was raised by his white grandparents went to a uh, Ivy League law school, and he acts like he has a chip on his shoulder. Meanwhile, I grew up on a farm in Iowa. I had to get up every day and go out, and I had to shovel every kind of uh, excrement possible from chickens to, to hogs, and then come home and do more chores. And then well, there was one year, we got some government cheese. They gave out free cheese. And we were glad to have it because, you know, there were some things you just could not buy. We could not buy. and So we had to raise all of our food ourselves. I was raised in the, in the 70s and 80s, which it sounds more like the 20s and 30s. We would go to the stores called the Half Price Store, and you got these, these knockoff shoes. They weren't Nikes. They were terrible. They wouldn't last very long. You know, and, and I'm, I, I, we didn't know we were poor, you know. I'm sad that a man who has achieved as much as that man, Tim Scott, has done would be savaged so badly and so awfully. Unbelievable. Let's talk about the uh, FBI being politicized, and it has been from the FISA court to the dossier to the, uh, the raid on Rudy Giuliani's apartment last week to take privileged information and devices from him. Alan Dershowitz was on the Saturday Report talking about it, and Alan Dershowitz was on fuego about this this weekend. 
it, could there be potential charges if they find something that bars on the on the side of criminality or even questionable criminality where you know there may be of an exchange of a hypothetical or something like that which by the way the FBI would not was not searching for they just went there to gather all of these devices with the exception of Hunter Biden's hard drive and they can go fishing you know could they pursue that based on this or is it or is it protected enough where they it's total immunity the answer is yes and yes. It is protected. There is immunity. But do you know what the head of the KGB, Lavrenti Beria, said to Stalin? Show back me the in, man. Uh, I'll show you the crime. Show- yeah, show, you, show me the man. I'll show you the crime. Meaning that you go after people just to go after them. And if you find something, then you can prosecute them or you can jail them for the rest of their lives. They're looking. They're looking hard. I don't think they have anything on this uh, registration because Rudy Giuliani was representing an American. He was representing the president. He was doing investigations in the Ukraine to see if it can help his president. That doesn't generally require any kind of registration. Unlike the uh, vice president, now the president's son, who was getting up to $80,000 a month from a gas company. I have to tell you the idea. With no experience in the gas industry and the president, who was the vice president at the time, threatening the government to with- withdraw a billion dollars in loan guarantees unless they fired the the uh, attorney, the prosecutor, looking into that gas company and the relationship with Hunter Biden. I have a search warrant for a violation of a registration, and that makes no sense. That's disproportional. Uh, what you do in a situation like that is you have a, a subpoena, or you produce very compelling evidence, which they couldn't in this case, no. very compelling evidence, that the former United States attorney for the Southern District of New York was going to engage in obstruction of justice by destroying evidence. It's just not going to happen. He volunteered to turn over evidence, not only involving himself, but involving other people. And so this was just a misuse of the search and seizure power. Initially, it was turned down. Now it was approved both by a judge and by the attorney general of the United States. So it wasn't lawless action, but I believe that they acted inconsistently with both the spirit and the letter of the Constitution. And also, by the way, much of that uh, information that they took will be on the devices that they took is privileged between the client and the attorney, Rudy Giuliani, the client being Donald Trump. Donald Trump could enter this case and other clients of Rudy Giuliani could enter the case, just like if it was my cardiologist who was searched, I could enter the case because the information is my information. The lawyer only had it. But it's my privilege. And they went after privileged information that I gave, that the client gave, the patient gave, the penitent gave. And if they can do that with Rudy Giuliani, they can do it with your priest and your rabbi, your doctor, your psychiatrist. They could do it to a journalist. If you have a confidential communication with a journalist and then they go and they they search warrant the journalist, he that information then discloses material that is protected by statute information given by the the journalist so it's just shouldn't be done this way it should be done through subpoena and and that is the constitutional route to and by the way uh, the president says that he didn't know anything about it uh, even though the president has been has been raving about rudy giuliani since the campaign trail and I'm crying OBS on that one. One more uh, piece from Rudy Giuliani and Alan Dershowitz on the rated materials. It's a taint team. What is a taint team? They're prosecutors who work next to the prosecutor, the other prosecutors. They have lunch together. They promote each other. There's various types of damage. Just reading it alone 
if somebody reads what I tell my rabbi or what I tell my cardiologist, that's damage enough. Then it's a taint team. What is a taint team? They're prosecutors who work next to the the other prosecutors. They have lunch together. They promote each other. Uh, Inevitably, it leaks inside the office. And then it leaks outside the office. We know, although the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York has been pretty good at not leaking things, inevitably things leak, particularly if they involve former President Trump or his lawyers. So the remedy is his lawyers, I've been consulting with Rudy Giuliani's lawyers. They asked me for my advice on this. And pro bono, I've given them general advice, as I would to a Democrat who called me and asked me about constitutional violations. They ought to move to, A, get the material back and have the government subjected to subpoena analysis. B, they ought to reject the idea of a taint team and require that if anybody goes over this, it ought to be a judge, a magistrate, or at least a master outside of the prosecutor's office appointed by the court. That's what happened in the previous cases. But the idea of having one group of prosecutors tell the other group of prosecutors whether they can see it or not is having the fox god the chicken coop. Yep, very much so. By the way, coming up very shortly, Grant Stinchfield talked to KT McFarland. She knows why this happened. It's not that the FBI has the goods on Rudy Giuliani. It is a plan to ruin Rudy Giuliani, and she'll explain that, and I agree, coming up. (laughs) Mitt Romney was booed. He was at a uh, he was at a big uh, Republican uh, I guess convention in Utah over the weekend. He was booed, and he should be because he is a country club blue blood rhino. So, what do you think about President Biden's first hundred days? Now, you know me as a person who. Uh, who says what he thinks, and I don't hide the fact that I wasn't a fan of our last president's character issues. And, and he acts like he's more, you know, the moral high ground. You betrayed the president of the United States. You betrayed your party. And I would have been in the crowd booing as well. Aren't you embarrassed? Aren't you embarrassed? I, I think if anybody, <laughs> the one who should be embarrassed is you to appear at a Republican convention at this point. Honestly, seriously. There's some backlash going on, guys. This is a headline from Breitbart. Uh, Rep- uh, Representative Lance Goodwin predicted Saturday that House Republican Conference Chair Liz Cheney will be ousted from GOP leadership by the end of May. Gooden declared Liz Cheney has promised she will campaign on impeaching Trump every day of the week. Good luck with that, Liz. Prediction, she'll be out of her GOP leadership by month's end. She's polling at about 13% in her home state. Cheney's relationship with House Republicans has reached a boiling point, even as House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy has been openly feuding with the Wyoming Republican. By the way, Liz Cheney says the future of the Republican Party is, are you ready? (laughs) Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy. You and I know that's ridiculous on the face of it on the the ridiculous on the face of it steve scalise said this i the this idea that you just disregard president trump is not where we are and frankly he has a lot to offer still oh he's the future of the party you got to kiss his ring or you're done (laughs) you know you're done you're done CNN, by the way, this is, oh, oh I'm not going to play Susan Collins, uh, Senator, and she's another uh, blue blood country club, uh, tone deaf, liberal, liberal rhino. 
Let's turn to the state of the Republican Party. Your fellow Republican Senator Mitt Romney, who I believe is a friend of yours, he, he was booed by delegates at the Utah Republican Convention yesterday. What was your reaction when you saw that clip of him being booed and the close vote to censure him? I was appalled. Mitt Romney is an outstanding senator. You can, can hardly hear her when she's up on her high horse. Who serves his state and our country well. No, not really. He doesn't. We Republicans need to remember that we are united by fundamental principles, such as a belief in personal responsibility, individual. Then why do you vote the way you do? Freedom. She, she's talking like a conservative, but she's not anywhere near being a conservative. Opportunity, free markets, a strong national BS. defense. Those are the principles that unite us. We are not a party uh, that is led by just one person. There are many. Yeah, and, and you weren't led by one person, but Donald Trump actually started doing what people wanted him to do. He was the first time in my lifetime, other than Ronald Reagan, to go into office and do what he said he was going to do, right? He did what he said he was going to do. And he brought the country roaring back. And then 2020 happened, and 2020 happened by design. 2020 was not 2020 because it just was 2020. There were a lot of moving parts. There were a lot of moving parts in place to take down Donald Trump. Time Magazine did a big piece on it. Big social media, the Democrat Party, the media, a cabal. They did it. They're celebrating it. You think 2020 just happened because it was the worst year ever? No, 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 no. 2020 was by design. And I'm going to explain that coming up as well as we get into a little bit on COVID and COVID shutdowns and a new study about how they were never necessary. Never necessary. CNN poll has uh, has found that seventy uh, percent of Republicans don't think Joe Biden legitimately won in the twenty twenty election. They clearly have been brainwashed. Seventy percent of half the country, nearly half of the country, believes that Joe Biden did not win the election legitimately. How is that? How is that now, guys? When the media is saying every media outlet, including the F word, says that. Allegations of impropriety in the election were false. Allegations of impropriety were false. Now, there were a couple thousand witnesses who said that they saw things and they actually presented it and they and they did sworn testimony saying that these things happened. And, and there was the video in a couple different places of ballots being dumped. And there was the, the ballot boxes the day after being uh, 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 videotaped, uh, people taking the ballots out and stuff them in a truck and disappearing. You know, but other than that, nothing. There was nothing to see. So uh, uh, CNN correspondent Donnie O'Sullivan, he's as Irish as they get, laments the poll results in a segment on uh, Sunday calling the fact that 70 percent of Republicans who obviously are brainwashed and uh, even though there's no media saying that there was impropriety in the election because it's, it's verboten. Not sure, but here is Donnie O'Sullivan. Uh, this conspiracy theory has been 70 percent, 70 percent of Republicans do not believe that Joe Biden uh, had enough votes to win the presidency, that he that he didn't legitimately uh, win the election, essentially. I mean, it's really quite remarkable when you think, uh, when you see that number. Um, as you it takes a, a lot of gall to, uh, you know, like, for instance, I, I never would consider going to uh, Ireland and, and being a, a, a correspondent or an anchor. 
and spouting off like this. You know, is he an American citizen? If he is, then, then that's fine. But honestly, I can't imagine doing that in another country, whatever. In Arizona right now. Votes have been checked and checked and checked again. This so-called audit, which is... This is the first open audit done by an independent company. And by the way, it's being fought by 106 Democrat lawyers. Why? been described as farcical, essentially, even by Republican election officials in that state. You know, they're all the rhino Republican uh, inside establishment. Yeah. Uh, and they're doing the same thing in, uh, in Georgia as well. Is still giving... Trump supporters, some Trump supporters, online and offline, uh, the false sense of hope that the election could still be overturned. I, uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but if uh, if there is solid evidence presented because of this, there will be a domino effect, and that's one of the reasons why there are five thousand troops in Washington D.C. because uh, the Democrat Party knows something that that uh, we don't. <laughs> here's the attorney general of uh, the state of Texas. Now, here, he's obviously been brainwashed as well. His name is Ken Paxton, talking with Maria Bartiromo about the election and, uh, and what Republicans are thinking about it. All right, let me switch gears and ask you about election integrity. Uh, this is a subject that has become taboo. We're not allowed... It is verboten. You cannot ask the question. You cannot ask a question about it. ...to question the 2020 election. We're not allowed to question what's going on in Arizona or in Georgia. What do you say to what is going on in Georgia and how Texas is similar to that situation around election 2020? Yeah, so if you look at election results from four years ago, Georgia and Texas were very similar. We fought off 12 lawsuits. We were sued 12 times over mail-in ballots, but it was Harris County, it was Travis County, these big urban counties that wanted to mail out all these mail-in ballots in violation of state law, clearly what was not allowed by the state legislature. And so we fought these off, and they, they didn't want signature verification. We were told by a federal judge that was, that was unconstitutional. So we had state lawsuits, different counties, federal lawsuits. We had 12 of them. We won. And then the perfect storm of the deadliest virus in the history of mankind and massive mail-in ballots. Every single one of them. Had we not won. Don't want to get sick. Every single one of those lawsuits, I'm convinced that those ballots would have gone out and we would have been just like Georgia, who decided to capitulate and sign consent decrees and say it's okay. We're going to let these mail-in ballots go out. We're not going to. We're going to allow no signature verification. We're going to allow drop boxes. All those things had an impact. And instead of Georgia and Texas having similar results this time, because we defended those lawsuits, Trump won. We were able to have a Republican legislature here, and in Georgia, it was completely turned. Hmm. Kind of interesting how that happens. Here's the president at Mar-a-Lago this weekend. Uh, the former president of the United States, Donald Trump. Yeah, that was not a great performance. So I just want to thank everybody. This is sort of a closeout. I can't believe it. Now we go through the summer. Have I used the F word? Have I said the uh, the election was fraudulent? I'm just saying, let's investigate it. We'll be back here in uh, October, maybe a little bit sooner. But I just think you are. Let's see what they find. I wouldn't be surprised if they found thousands and thousands and thousands of votes so we're going to watch that very closely and after that you'll watch pennsylvania and you watch georgia and you're going to watch michigan and uh, wisconsin and you're watching new hampshire they found a lot of votes up in new hampshire just now weird you that weird because this was a rigged election everybody knows it and we're going to be uh, we're going to be watching it very closely but start off by you just take Why has Donald Trump been banned from Twitter and Facebook and YouTube? Hmm. Hmm. 
A former president of the United States has been banned from Twitter and YouTube and Facebook. Look, it's on. It's on closed circuit. I guess it's on all over the place. If he's been banned from those three entities and the mainstream media is saying there was no voter fraud, uh, then why do 70% of Republicans think there still is? Because all of the voices are saying no. One's talking about yesterday, front page of the New York Times. They didn't want to write it, but that's because they thought they were going to have a negative uh, decision. And the judge gave gave us a positive decision. There you go. And here is uh, Cindy McCain. I don't know why her uh, opinion means anything, but she thinks the Arizona vote count is uh, fraudulent, is a joke. So let me ask you Thank just you. about see you. this bizarre episode going on in your home. Fellow sycophant uh, Jake Tapper asking the questions. State six months after the election, Republicans <laughs> in Arizona doing something. She's rolling her eyes. It's just downright bizarre. They brought in a guy who's an election liar to lead an audit of ballots from Maricopa County, <laughs> even though the election board there is led by Republicans. They're using ultraviolet light and other. Yeah, to see the, the folds, to see if they were folded. They're using ultraviolet light to see if the ballots were folded or if the mail-in ballots weren't mailed. They were just brought in. Methods to examine ballots, looking for evidence. And it's open. You can watch it on television. Voter fraud. Obviously the same lie that fueled the January 6th attack. Again, he's just calling a lie. Back on the Capitol. And that's a lie right there. It was proven in the impeachment of Donald Trump that it didn't cause the attack on the Capitol. He didn't, and the narrative of election fraud did not. Make of all this, is the Arizona Republican Party undermining democracy? Oh, I, listen, the whole thing is ludicrous. Quite frankly, it's ludicrous. Um, and this Well, 70% of Republicans don't think so. Also comes from a state party in Arizona that refused to be audited themselves on votes that were cast within their own party communications. So, uh, you know, it, it's it, the election is over. Biden won. See, there you go. You can't dissent. Meanwhile, the Democrat Party never accepted Donald Trump as the winner in 2016. Do you recall that? Do you recall that? Even Hillary Clinton did not recognize him as the president of the United States through his entire term. And the media and the Democrat Party fought and fought and fought and threw everything they could at Donald Trump, including two fraudulent impeachments, and it didn't work. Unbelievable. So there's a lot of idiocy with regard to uh, COVID. The president of the United States is keeping his face mask on, even though he has uh, has been uh, inoculated. He's uh, not following advice from the centers of disease control saying you can ditch your mask outdoors. There are a lot of reasons for this. I say it's broadcasting fear. That's what it is. It's, It's if you start thinking differently, like maybe there could have been some questions about the election, or maybe we don't have to wear masks, or maybe we shouldn't have shut down everything. Once you start having those thoughts, you have to be shut down. And so the president of the United States wears his mask dutifully, even though he doesn't need to. And midway through next year, the election year, he'll still be pushing a mask. And then suddenly COVID will be cured just in time for the election. And he'll claim credit for defeating the virus. Here's Anita Dunn. She is the, uh, what is Anita Dunn? She's a White House advisor. Here's their plan for your schools. Even though there are no studies that say uh, in-school teaching is going to cause any sort of massive spread of the COVID virus. And all schools that have opened have never experienced that with the spread of the virus in students or in faculty, okay? Including my daughter's school, all right? This is what she wants to do to your school and your kids. Even though many of your kids were out for an entire year. 
And many kids will be going on two years out of school by this fall. Listen to this. President Biden said in an interview that schools should probably all be open in the fall. Can you clarify, is it the Biden administration's position that all K-12 schools should be back full time, in-person learning, start of next school year? President Biden said in an interview that schools should probably all be open in the fall. Can you clarify, is it the Biden administration's position that all K-12 schools should be back full time, in-person learning? I want you to listen to this and realize that incidences of overdose and suicide and cutting and self-abuse and drug use among children 13 to 18 years old have gone up 300% in the last year. Start of next school year. And is the Biden White House willing to push back on any teachers unions or others who stake out any position to the contrary, not backed up? He's just get past the question by science. So, Jake, one of the great accomplishments of this administration and one the president is very proud of is that 80 percent of the teachers and school personnel in this country have now been vaccinated. Why aren't they in school? If you recall, a couple of months ago, we um, the president made the announcement that we were going to have a special supply of vaccine dedicated precisely for this reason. Now, he said probably. Why aren't they in school? He didn't say absolutely. But given the science, if the vaccination program in this country proceeds. If people do go get their vaccines, there he does believe that schools should be able to reopen in September. 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 And reopen safely following the CDC guidelines. But he said probably, he said, did not say absolutely, because wow. we've all seen this since, unfortunately, January of 2020. It's an unpredictable yeah. virus. B.S. What's unpredictable is your policies. By the way, newly obtained emails show that the American Federation of Teachers, the second largest teachers union in the U.S., successfully lobbied the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention from recommending earlier this year that schools could fully reopen in a safe manner. And we have exposed, and this virus has exposed, that teachers unions do not care about the children. That is not in dispute at all. The bombshell reporting is particularly significant because not only did the AFT donate nearly $20 million to Democrats during the 2020 election, but CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky insisted the guidance was free from political meddling. According to the New York Post, the emails show a flurry of activity between CDC Director Rochelle Walensky and her top advisors and union officials with Biden being brass being looped in at the White House in the days before the highly anticipated February 12th announcement on school reopening guidelines. My daughter missed the second half of her freshman year in high school and the first half of her sophomore year in high school. Can you imagine a one-year bite out of your high school experience. A school where they, kids who were doing theater couldn't perform on stage and kids who were in sports couldn't go to a stadium and perform. Could you imagine? Can you imagine sitting in your room with your computer and talking and listening to a teacher and that's all you have? And then you've got a government that says your friends can't come over to see you. This has been the very, very hard on my daughter. She is a wonderful human being. And the damage that these teachers unions are doing to a generation of children is irreparable.
It's going to haunt these kids for years. It's going to haunt preschoolers who are being told they have to wear a mask all day because of a virus that could kill them and mommy and daddy and grandma and grandpa. Oh, I'm just so done. Okay, I'm going to lighten up. Are you ready for this? So my neighbor comes over last night, and I had been uh, talking about how we're going to have the biggest 4th of July party in the history of mankind this year because I'm done with the virus. Uh, I'm tired of being lied to about it. I'm tired of having the administration tell me uh, I don't have to wear a mask outside, then the president of the United States wearing a mask outside, and then fumbling and bumbling, couldn't find it, and then he had it in his pocket. Remember that last week? So she came over and said, listen, we're putting out flyers and everything, and we are go- we've, we- we've gone to the city to get a permit, and we're going to shut down the block. So we're going to close the block off. We're going to bring picnic tables right out in the middle. We're going to have barbecue. Everybody's barbecue grill going to be right out there on the street. And you can walk from house to house and share in the joy and the celebration of this country's founding. I love this. I'm going to broadcast live from it. I'm going to. The biggest party ever is going to be this year. I do not need the president's permission. I do not need to uh, capitulate to the president's twisted policies to have my party. We're going to do it, and we're not going to wear masks. And we're not going to ask anybody if they were vaccinated. I know, it's going to be a super spreader event. Oh, by the way, about a month ago, uh, just shy of a month ago, the Rangers and the Phillies played to a capacity house in Texas, and there was no, nobody died. I thought you should know that. Did you, did you notice that? Did you notice that that game happened and they were terrified everybody was going to die? Where did that story go? It's gone because nothing happened. Can you believe this? <laughs> oh, listen to this. Boris Johnson, the president of or the, uh, the prime minister of Great Britain, who, dear God, what a mess he is. Here's the deal. They are lightening up restrictions. So by June the 21st in the Great Britain, are you ready for this? People will be able to hug again. (laughs) Boris Johnson is saying that if you follow all the mandates and all the orders, just like Joe Biden is telling us about the 4th of July, you will be able to hug someone and they will hug you in return. From May 17th, people will be able to meet indoors by June 21st. We should expect that the vast majority, and hopefully all, in those uh, priority groups, one to nine, all over 50s, will have had both doses of the the vaccine. The thinking is that by this point, uh, it would be safe to hug, and that that it then comes down to a matter of individual judgment. Could you believe this? You've got to wait. You've got to wait for the government to give you permission to hug somebody, your children or your grandmothers or your mom. (laughs) <laughs> just, just honestly and now listen to this COVID lockdowns cost countless jobs don't appear to have saved lives according to a new study <laughs> wow Walladub did this, uh, this study jobs in New York are, are recovering slower than other states on stringent COVID uh, restrictions than states that have fully opened their economies so South Dakota's kicking butt, Florida's kicking butt, Texas is kicking butt Walletub ranking states lockdowns in May 2020 using a formula that assigns a numerical value to mask mandates, large gathering limits, school closing, shelter in place requirements, and other measures put in place to try to stop the spread of the deadly coronavirus. The rankings did not account for those like population density, the close quarters of urban households, or use of public transportation, all of which play a role in virus transmission. All those, those were shut down in New York City and other big cities. On the end of the ranking, South Dakota, which imposed no restrictions, sat on top of the openest ranking with Utah being the second, and they're kicking butt. 
Over the course of a year, states imposed an eased a variety of restrictions in response to the level of virus cases and COVID-19 deaths. Where lockdowns were lifted, unemployment fell, but the restrictions didn't seem to nudge death rates. Okay. I'm not going to get into the, there's a lot of uh, weeds here with regards to numbers and all that. And it's confusing and I, it doesn't make any sense. In an audio presentation with no visual aids, study found little correlation to all the strictness of lockdown measures and death rates. So your children have suffered and you weren't able to go to your kid's wedding or uh, they weren't able to come to your wedding and you couldn't visit your grandmother before she died in the hospital. And your kids got very depressed. Some of them started cutting. Some of them started abusing alcohol and drugs. The top states to move to, apparently there's a giant migration away from states with these restrictions like New York, uh, New Jersey, Illinois, Connecticut, California. All high restriction rates. People are moving to Idaho, South Carolina, Oregon, South Dakota, and Arizona. Wow. You've been played, you've been played, you've been played. Hey, let's talk a little bit about some great personalities on Newsmax and some great guests that happened this uh, this uh, last couple of days. Uh, Grant Stinchfield, I mentioned this earlier, KT McFarland, I think has it figured out why the FBI raided Rudy Giuliani's home. It wasn't because he was committing a crime. There was no uh, warrant because of a, uh, allegations of a crime. There was no threat that he was going to destroy his devices like Hillary Clinton made her staff do with hammers and bleach butt, blood, bleach butt. Ooh, that's a terrible thought with regard to Hillary Clinton. Anyway, uh, but bleach bit to uh, destroy hard drive servers, uh, destroy emails and all that stuff. None of that happened. But they raided. Why? KT McFarland, Grant Stitchfield. KT McFarland is with us. KT, how do they not take Hunter's hard drives? It's because it's it's not a, it's not the Department of Justice. In this case, it's the Department of Injustice. There are two sets of rules that they're following. One is for people who support Republicans and President Trump and conservatism, and then there's another one, which is the Biden, the progressive left, the cancel culture, yada yada yada. And there's no more obvious example of this than going to Rudy Giuliani's house and taking all of Rudy Giuliani's stuff. But the one thing that we know has proof of Hunter Biden and potentially other family members, their collusion with Russians, Ukrainians, Chinese, they don't want to have anything to do with that. And the other thing, Grant, though, is I don't- Pay attention, kids. I don't think Rudy did anything wrong. I don't think Rudy thinks he did anything wrong. I don't even think the Justice Department thinks he did anything wrong. What their goal here is to do is to bankrupt Rudy Giuliani. Wow. Because they know it'll cost him millions of dollars to hire lawyers to defend himself against potentially made-up charges. And he's got to pay for that himself. He doesn't get reimbursed. Wow, wow, wow. There you go. So it isn't about charges. This is about going after your political enemies. This is about going after your political enemies and bankrupting them. Wow, wow, wow. On Rob Schmidt's show, Eric Bowling was hosting and interviewed the Nuge, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, the Motor City Madman, Ted Nugent, about the First Amendment. I love this guy. Who would think Democrats would be the best gun salesmen in America? Well, a big salute to everybody who wants to take away our Second Amendment rights because gun sales and ammo sales are going through the ceiling. Concealed weapons permits are going through the ceiling. And more and more governors are signing in the self-evident truth that we, the people, have a constitutional right to our First Amendment 
and our Second Amendment. So these are crazy times. So the positive spirit is still alive and well out here, Eric. A very happy springtime in spite of the cultural suicide cluster bomb 2021. <laughs> I'm in Texas, so we're not immune from the insanity. And your report tonight indicates what the left's agenda is. The once great Northwest, I mean, it's turned into an absolute hellhole of crime and violence, engineered recidivism, and the celebration of loss of life and destruction of family businesses. Yeah. So the right to keep... Cat scratch fever. Keep and bear arms. And keep means it's mine. You can't have it. And bear means I have a couple on me right now and they're loaded. That <laughs> self-evident truth is yes. alive and well out here. Yes. And I promise you, Eric, they're not going to take that right away. You know, Ted- and that is alive in every freedom-loving American. The Guys, the fire is there. You know the fire is there. It's within us. It is. And we have reached critical mass on this garbage with critical race theory being taught in schools, with people being driven from the airwaves for one offensive word, with social media. <laughs> Listen, in the last, on, on November the 4th, the morning of November the 4th, I had not posted anything November the 3rd on my Facebook page for my show. My show page disappeared November the 4th, and I've never seen it again. I was reaching uh, hundreds of thousands of people every month, and it just disappeared. And I had no explanation from Facebook other than that I am reaching people as a conservative, and there was no recourse. Not soon thereafter, I was taken off of YouTube for posting a video, uh, an anti-vaccination. It was a video from uh, uh, Robert Kennedy's son about the vaccine. And I thought he actually made some very good points. I'm not down with it. But they took down my YouTube page because I posted that video there. And then, just about three weeks ago, Parler took me off. Parler, the free speech platform. Parler, which just got back on, I believe, Apple. They just got back on, and they had to make all sorts of changes, and I'm assuming that purging some conservatives was part of it. So I can't even get a Parler account. I had hundreds of thousands of followers on Parler disappeared. I wrote them, and I said, hey, uh, what is going on? What did I do wrong? I got a response, but they never said what I did wrong. And that is a shame. Because there were a lot of people really believing in Parler. They really thought Parler was the answer, and then they did this. Because they wanted to get back in the good graces of Apple. And they wanted to get back in the good graces of whatever. And they did. By purging people like me. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Hey, should we hear a little more Nuge? Let me see. Where, where's the Nuge? Here's the guy. Illuminor on the Nuge. Can never get enough Nuge. And I'm hearing defund the police all over the place. And then it struck me as in the same period, they want to also make it harder for us, uh, for us to, to keep and bear arms, as you point out, constitutional right. What is that a recipe for? Well, again, that... <laughs> Even guitar players can figure this stuff out. I mean, that is a recipe for evil overpowering good. And I got to tell you, Eric, I hang around with a lot of great families every day of my life here in Texas, and I'm in communication with great families all over the world. If Texas decides to secede, I'm getting a cowboy hat 
and some boots. World, I think the most important indicator right now <laughs> is not the self-evident truth that we, the people of the United States of America, stand for and continue to believe in and, and, and celebrate, but around the world, I'm hearing from people from every corner of the planet going, Uncle Ted, what the hell are you guys letting happen to America? Yep. We look to America as the last only good place where you have individual freedoms as guaranteed by that sacred constitution and Bill of Rights. Yep. They're looking at America right now, literally with this freak in the White House and his gang that violate their oath every day. The rest of the world is sitting back and going, America, you better put the brakes on because you're turning into Portland and San Francisco and homeless and no, feces and needles and exploding crime rates that is engineered. So that pulse of goodwill and decency is alive and well out here. Yes, it is. But i got to tell you, Eric, anybody that's not a member of the National Rifle Association or Gun Owners of America or your state Second Amendment organization, if you're not an actual active member in those organizations, Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden like to thank you. There you go. The Nuge! The Nuge! I think we should have our special guest on. Now, have you ever watched uh, Emerald Robinson? She is a White House correspondent for Newsmax. She is doing a great job. For Joe Biden's first presser that he did a couple weeks ago, she and like-minded press members who are from conservative networks were put in the back of the room unable to answer a question. Let's give her a call, shall we? Hello, this is Emerald. Hello, Emerald. Rob Carson, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Rob? I'm, I'm excellent. I'm really glad to finally get you on. I've been really enjoying your work on Capitol Hill. Oh, thanks. I'm so glad to join you. I mean, I watch you all the time. Uh, you just have such a pretty cool job. Uh, you've, you've done some great reporting from the White House. Um, just from a personal perspective, because uh, I don't know your, your entire broadcast history, but how exciting is it for you to be in the White House, to be in press briefings, even when you're stuck in the back of them, not able to ask questions? <laughs> <laughs> Right, when I'm stuck way way back in the nosebleeds of a presidential press conference behind yeah. the uh, full TV cameras. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's still a bit surreal. And, you know, I've now done it for several years. So, I, you know, it's like any other job where you kind of get used to it. And then something happens. And you realize, wow, like, this is really the center of the world. Yeah. This is history. This is a unbelievable opportunity yeah no matter what every single day and you know it you'll you'll be going along and then something happens and it really does strike you so let's let's talk a little bit about the difference between the trump white house and the biden uh, the biden white house because i know we just a couple weeks ago there was a big presser and uh, and you were stuck in the back of the room uh and and also mm-hmm. with this this state of the union or the precursor to the state of the union it appears that some selected media members were chosen how is that for you and what's the difference between the two administrations well, for me, clearly, it's night and day. I went from the front row to the back row, yeah. nowhere in between, <laughs> which I knew was going to happen, you know, so yeah. you just laugh. And I never heard the thing, like, you know, even in the Trump White House, there was the president and there was his his staff, right? And there was his White House. Yeah. I was never, they were never particularly friendly with me. And I think, you know, a lot of my colleagues thought they were. And then they really got to watching and they realized, well, they, because I asked 
even the Trump team. I ask them questions that their voters are really wanting to know, not the sensational questions of CNN, but very policy related, the promises that he had made, kind of certain things that were going on. Yeah. And sometimes they really did not want any press on those issues or that question. Yeah. So they didn't like it. Now, the president, you know, was very kind to me. He, you know, President Trump and I, we uh, we had a good uh a good relationship as a press and a president, you know, <laughs> as many presidents have with the press in the past. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I was always invited to those lunches before the State of the Union address or certain other big moments yeah. in which they want to cultivate whatever the evening co- coverage is going to be. And it was, you know, really nice. But in it, I, it's always the case in the Democrat administration that, of course, they have their you know, extension of their communications team, which is corporate media, yeah. like the New York Times. And, you know, let's just be honest, it's, it's part of their communications team. Yeah. So that's always who they have around them. But in, with this president, it's even less. And so that's causing um, some, some hurt feelings and, you know, some uh, ill well, it's, it's just unfair. Liberal press. Yeah, you know, it's just unfair, and, and it's and it's inappropriate, and I, I think it's very troubling, to be quite honest. Particularly since, you know, you you are not there with an. I don't think you're there with the necessary agenda. You're just there to ask questions, and I I, I don't. I thought you were very fair to Donald Trump. I think you're being very fair when you're able to get a word in edgewise during the Biden administration. So. Yeah, I mean. It's, you know, it's it's the same job either way. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of people in the press corps don't see it that way. Yeah, let me ask you this, how, how the, the first 100 days uh, is closing in here. Uh, how have been, uh, what are your impressions of Joe Biden's uh, first 100 days from a journalistic uh, standpoint? Well, I, I think it's the most unusual first 100 days in recent and, well, even longer presidential history in that this is a president who is largely been at the you know in the residence yeah. he's not really been out there yeah. uh he goes home every single weekend and we hear nothing of what he does yeah he's not really meeting with world leaders he lets the one in-person bilateral he has at the white house the vice president greet the prime minister i talked to some people from japan and they said you know they weren't even offended they just thought it was sad because yeah. that means the people of Japan felt that means that Joe Biden is not able to do it. Yeah. And that was the feeling of the, the Japanese delegation. Do you do you notice it a little so, bit more because you're close to it? Do you do you see I mean, you don't need to give it up, but but obviously you're close to it. So you see uh, you see it actually uh, happening because uh, the nightly exactly. news. So you see a little bit more than the rest of us. So. Yeah, it's a very unusual 100 days. Normally, you know, a president would really be out there, really yeah. trying to yeah. make a splash with yeah. the press, doing a ton of interviews, having tons of meetings. And, you know, they use the COVID, the COVID restrictions as the mm-hmm. excuse. But honestly, at this point, everyone tested every single day before they even had uh, a high vaccination rate yeah. within the Capitol Hill and in the White House. And still not much has changed. And that's even... Uh, that's being a lot of the the high level staff who would normally get uh, regular access to the president to talk about whatever portfolio portfolio they're working on. They're not getting access to him. And there was a, a really good piece in Politico this week about that, how upset they are. Yeah. So it's an extremely I mean, this is the most protected and isolated president. Yeah. 
You know, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty bad that, you know, even, even the left can't get close enough to Joe Biden to kiss his butt. You know, you're just asking questions. <laughs> now, one other thing. Did you see him give Joe Biden the, 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 uh, the seated out dandelion yeah, yesterday? What? I, I thought it would be more appropriate if it was a forget me not. <laughs> What if your husband? Oh, what if your husband picked up just a seated out dandelion and handed to you? What would you? What would you say to him? Well, I'd actually be a little surprised because uh, my husband is so good at so many other things, and you know what? He's super supportive of me, and he's like the smartest person I know. Yeah. So I regularly call on him for like you know, oh, you know this, or like he's like my walking Google or encyclopedia. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he doesn't really get me flowers, so I might <laughs> actually be like, wow. <laughs> Thank you, All right. honey. All right. Well, Emerald, I really appreciate you talking to me on the show, and I'd love to have you on again soon. Keep up the great work in D.C. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. All right. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Bye. Oh, thank you. All right. Emerald Robinson, she just kicks butt. Absolutely amazing. Okay. Before I go, I've got a couple more stories here real quick. That may make you feel better. May make you feel better about the country and, and the fire that's within us, guys. Anti-woke candidates opposed to critical race theory being taught in Dallas win control of an affluent district board with nearly 70% of the vote during a bitterly contested election. <clears throat> Saturday's election, the result was a landslide with candidates backed by the conservative South Lake Families PAC winning every race by a nearly 40% margin. In addition to the two seats up for election on the school board, conservative candidates swept the elections for mayor and two open city council seats. Because people are done with this nonsense. This is the Carroll Independent School District Board. 70% of the vote, conservatives took it. They're ending that garbage. That 1619 garbage that teaches black kids that they can't do anything in this country despite history saying the opposite with incredible talent and, and scientific achievement. And I could go on and on and on. Taking their history and throwing it into the into the breeze. Harriet Tubman, bye. Martin Luther King Jr., bye. You can't achieve anything, kids. And by the way, you should really hate black white kids because white kids are awful and evil, and they're racist. <sighs> oh, just one uh, note. This is um, a sad note, actually. Makia Bryant was shot by a police officer about a week ago. On Friday, she was laid to rest. She was 16 years old. Apparently, in the home she was at, there had been, I believe, 13 911 calls made from that home since 2017. On March 28th, just days before Bryant was killed, her biological younger sister, Janaya, 15, told the 911 dispatcher, I don't want to be here no more. According to uh, records obtained by the Associated Press, informed that wasn't that wasn't something police could do. The victim then became irate and stated that if she goes not to get if she doesn't get to leave, that she was going to kill someone in the house. This is Makia Bryant's sister. If she couldn't leave the house, she was going to kill somebody. The girl was taken to a hospital for evaluation. Failure of parenting. Failure by a mother and uh, lack of a father and cultural rot and celebration of misogyny where uh, women uh, in videos are just a, a booty, <laughs> you know, and they're fine with it, <laughs> you know. 
I mean, look at the number one song last year in the country. Uh, what was it called? WAP. You can look up what that uh, is all about in case you don't know. Just really disgusting. A police officer rant has gone viral. <clears throat> this is a black police officer. It is, uh, it's been confirmed. I don't know the identity, identity officer. But if you look at just demonizing the police, which is evil and, and ignorant, uh, you look past people like this. And I've said this before. Could you imagine getting up in the morning and putting on your uniform and kissing your spouse goodbye and your children and not knowing if you'll come home that night? If you can imagine all the horrors that police officers see with traffic accidents and domestic violence and murder scenes, you wouldn't be able to sleep the rest of your life. Here is a police officer's rant on Twitter about how hard it is for him to just go to work knowing that there are so many people who want to get rid of the police. I wake up every morning and kiss my family goodbye. Knowing that there's a possibility I won't come home. I am tired of every time I wake up in the morning, there's someone else polarizing the fact that maybe law enforcement is just not a good thing. All of us are not bad. I am not as they are. Most of us are not. There are bad people in every career. I'm so goddamn tired. 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 Wow. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> that got to me, really got to me. Sorry. <laughs> it's just that I'm just so done. I'm just done. I'm done with people tearing down the country. I'm done with the, the people tearing down our police, tearing down our military. Uh, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. Are you tired of it? Are you tired of your kids not going to school? Are you tired of the government telling you you have to wear a mask everywhere? Are you tired of so much restriction on your life? Are you tired of seeing your children being spent into oblivion on a debt that will never be repaid by the government? We are approaching $30 trillion in debt, and this president wants to add another $6 trillion of it. I'm tired of it. And I'm going to have one heck of a July 4th party this year. I'm already getting people online writing and saying, Rob, you know, listen, I know it's your neighborhood, but I'll come, I'll come there from South Carolina. I don't want to start a stampede. <laughs> I don't want to start a stampede. It's my neighborhood. <laughs> but I've got people who really want to come here and go to this party and, and celebrate America. And I, that's what I want to make this about. We need it. We need it. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for, uh, for listening to the show today. It is growing by leaps and bounds. It's on at least 32 countries around the world. Uh, millions of people reached every single week. It is just exploding. It, it really is. I feel very blessed to be a part of this organization and to have a TV show on Newsmax called Rob Carson's What in the World and then also to have been given this opportunity in the oral media, which is something that I spent most of my career in. So uh, some people would say I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> Make sure to download the uh, the Newsmax app on your cellular telephonic devices, I always say, and then also, of course, go to NewsmaxTV.com for all the listings for your favorite shows, guys, because it's a network that is a, a phenomenon. It is a, it is a culture phenomenon and it is it is awesome and they are people we have people working for us who connect with you because they love the country they love the american people and uh it's just awesome
All right, I'm going to go, guys. Have a glorious day. God bless you. God bless America. I will see you tomorrow. You'll hear me. Until then, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Newsmax Daily with Rob Carson. Check your cable guide or NewsmaxTV.com. Or watch free on YouTube, Roku, Apple, Pluto, Zumo, Amazon Fire, and your smart TV. Newsmax, America's fastest-growing cable news channel. Check NewsmaxTV.com for details.